a Podcast One production. From the Inside with Peter Ricks. This is part two of Peter's conversation with record producer Charles Fisher. In this episode, Charles talks about his time working in the US and how that differed from working in Australia. They look at the arrival of digital audio and production and how the lay of the land has changed for a present-day record producer. So the impact today of the changes that you've now seen, even from that time of making the Savage Garden record where in in a short space of time we've gone from a vinyl delivery of music to um, I mean tape along the way but really it was all the same well, I, to, that, that, that actually was my last analogue record it was it? the last record I did on tape to CDs then to iTunes you know the music business let yep. Steve Jobs own the own music for a while it's just outrageous and then now on demand, is the is the fidelity of these records changed as a result yes, of these changes? Yes, the fidelity of the record ha- the records have changed. We don't we don't have uh, the dynamic range and we don't have the bandwidth that we had in the seventies and eighties. Does it matter? No, not to me. Right. It does to a lot of people, but not to me because to me it's still the song and the performance. That's the thing. And I, you know, I grew up in a era when records didn't particularly sound good to begin with. But do, if you're a, I mean, forget if you're a high fidelity person. But do I, when I, when I download, when you download, you're losing an octave on the bottom and an octave on the top. Oh, really? Yeah. God damn. God I damn. I wonder why my twelve-inch LPs yeah, sounded you're, so you're, good. You're losing an octave on the bottom and an octave on the top. Your mid-range is pretty good. Yeah. But you're losing an octave on the top end. You've got no air, and you've got no subs. And so, when you when you're you know, somebody who'd be listening to this who wants to who wants to become a an engineer, wants to work in a studio, um, where should they start then? If cause, particularly with these changes, because there's, they there's should, not it's all at home. They now, should isn't start it? where I started. I started with a sound on sound tape recorder. They should they, they have way better facilities than I have because they buy a computer. And every computer you buy now has recording software bundled into it of some form, whether it's GarageBand. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's nothing wrong with any of these software bundles. Once you go digital, the, 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 quali- the quality of your um, stuff is amazing. I mean, Bob Claremountain, famous, once said to me that he, I don't hear bad demos anymore. So, so drum, sounding demos, drums, so. vocals—you can still do those on those machines. Absolutely, I, I, I did I did drums last week in my living room with three microphones. Sounds great. Uh, you you've got to remember, John Bonham was recorded with three microphones. Yes, but he hit the drums a hit, lot harder. Right. <laughs> that, look, the the need for good musicianship and good performance has not changed. Right, and you can. You can uh, modify performance so that it sounds okay, um, but it'll never be as good as a good performance. Right. So you you uh, you headed to America for a while and and lived there. I lived there for ten years. And 
Did you find the recording process in the industry difficult? Did you find it different to hear? Yeah, it was it, it was uh, it was uh, a lot more sophisticated. Uh, it was a lot easier than it was here. Really? Oh, way easier. I mean, I, I live in Sydney. I, I have two drummers that I can call on that I think are really good, and in America I had ten. Yeah, quite. Um, the, the downside of it is you get a lot more interference into the creative process. Every executive thinks he's, you know, a producer. So you get a lot more interference. Uh, it, it's different, but, um, I mean, I, I loved it there. I loved working there because uh, I've got more really good people to call on. Right. And you came home? I came what home. wife? Bubs, kids. Yep, I had, I, had, I have a I have two little kids, and and a couple of times a week you were telling me you you uh, yeah I you go head in and I go into the Australian Institute of Music and teach a couple of days a week. And and are these guys going to have jobs when they finish? I I I would say some one or two of them that, that I'm teaching I think have the potential. The jobs aren't there as much as they were in my day. The studios aren't there. A lot of that is because, you know, you can now do so much at home on a computer. Mm. Um, the the downside of where we are with streaming, etc., is that the return, your investment into the production doesn't get returned as easily. So record companies are spending less on the creative. Well, the, but the budgets are way less now. Aren't they? Way less. I mean, they, they, not, no one's selling records. Mm. Um, the streaming now, you know, Rodney Jenkins um, was saying he had forty-eight million streams on Spotify of a Justin Bieber song he wrote, and he got a check for one hundred twenty-eight dollars. <laughs> Jesus, poor. So you know, the money, the money's uh, uh, not and there. And his manager took. <laughs> And his manager probably took twenty percent. Yeah, the the money's not there, and when the money's not there, the investment isn't made. So, to a certain extent, the jobs aren't there for behind the scenes people. I mean, I I, I was getting kids coming once once a week from high school, knocking on my door at the studio, going, "Can I have a job as an assistant?" Yeah, still still the best path to um to education in this in this industry. So when at the very beginning you went on the road with Sirius in Europe yes. and learnt. A lot, I presume, from sitting behind that little desk in the middle of concert halls, uh, right? Really, no. Yeah, I no? didn't learn. I didn't learn a lot about sound. I thought I was. I thought I was learning a lot, but you know, the, the, the 1969, 1970, I had four knobs and a, and yeah, a yeah. bottle of scotch. You know, it's like <laughs> and a joint and a joint. I mean, I, I really, I, I, I learned more from working at home by myself doing sound on sound bounces. Right. Of my own songs that I was writing. So when these boys come, boys and girls, sorry, forgive me, come, come marching out of a, a college, the road seems to be pretty it's, much the only place left. It's it? narrower. Yeah, the road, the road is pretty much the only place. Um, they have to be entrepreneurial today, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure, Charlie, that they didn't always have to be. You know. Yeah. I mean, you're you're possibly if, you wait, right. if you wait for the phone to ring in this business, you wait you're, forever. You're, pro you're probably right, but um, certainly all the big studios have closed down. Mm. I mean, Sing Sing was a, has gone now, yeah. that, and that was a great training ground for a lot of young engineers. So I think doing it at home, you know, taking your um, uh, laptop and 
going down to your recording your friend's band and mm. I mean that's probably the best path you can take and then and listen you know don't listen with skepticism listen to what's on the radio and try and work out why it's on the radio don't you know if if you want to be a producer if you want to make records that are, or music that people are going to spend money on and you you should listen not with skepticism but you should listen to find out you know what is it that they like about that i'm the wrong guy to be giving anybody advice but um it's it's never not been in my humble opinion that uh, if you have if you develop knowledge which comes from going to aim and listening to people like you and and working in your in your in the home in the front yard wherever but then they need relation they need to know how to build relationships right them. and and that's why i say go down to your friends bands yeah. Record your friends' bands, help them help them put it out on their social media or on the i or on the cloud or wherever the hell that that you expose your work on these days, right? And build those relationships. Yeah, you know, go go into your independent radio station, you, you uh, go, go into your triple R's and wherever you can and say, oh, have a listen to this. You know, any regrets? Not a looking one. back, looking back. Yeah, maybe, maybe one. Because I know it's, I know maybe it's, it's one. only halfway. But maybe, what are the regrets? Maybe one. Maybe, maybe I would have been better. Maybe I would have been better off leaving high school and going straight to America and doing my whole career there. Wow. Maybe. Right. Um, otherwise, I, I, I don't know. I don't. Re- I don't really have any. Re- I'm real. I'm a really. I'm really happy with where I am right now in my life. And, you know, like my wife keeps saying, if you're happy with where you are, everything that's happened has put you here. So you can't have regrets. But you've never been a bloke that's actually gotten very angry about no. life, have you? No, I lo- you know, I-, I love people. Yeah. I-, I-, I love people. I love musicians. I, I love the people in the audience. I-, I mean, I just have a lot of empathy for people. What's the, what's the best thing you've ever worked on? What's the if if there was one you had to pick and you know the rest of the everybody else is going to get the shits with you but if there was a if there's a high point you may not have worked on it but yourself but is there one thing that stands out that I really liked yeah I don't know maybe Rock and Christmas because <laughs> <laughs> it comes back every year the old fifty five song it's really funny I remember. Uh, when we when I finished that record, I went way over budget, and Michael Gudinski and I, who released the record, was on Mushroom, were sitting at the table arguing about the budget, and Glenn A. Baker stopped us and he said, "Excuse me, you guys, can I just point out the irony here?" And Gudinski looked at him and said, "What?" <laughs> and Glenn Baker said, "Here we have two Jews arguing over the price of a Christmas record." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. He's a nice fellow, our Glenn. Oh, he's a lovely guy. This is From the Inside with Peter Ricks, and this is part two of his conversation with record producer Charles Fisher. In a moment, Peter and Charles look to the future of the music business and both the challenges and opportunities ahead. We can't keep doing this forever. I could probably talk about this for a long time, but after the years that you've now been in it, what what do you think the next five Ten years holds for the music business. If you're if you're sitting out there at the moment listening to this, and 
and you want to be in it. I, 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 the, 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 there's one thing that really concerns me, and it doesn't concern me for the artists, because I think um, the artists have myriads of ways of man- monetizing their careers. Yeah. I am concerned for the songwriters. I am right. concerned for the engineers. I am concerned for the producers. I'm, I'm concerned for the people behind the scenes. Um, I, I wor- worry about the fact that a 19-year-old today, I can't see how he's ever going to buy a house. I can't see how a young producer is ever going to make enough money off royalties off a hit record to buy a house. Um, so the monetization for the behind-the-scenes people worries me. And I see a lot of people uh, on blogs going, oh, look, there's plenty of money out there. And, and there is for, the, for touring working artists. But when you are a songwriter and you've made your money off physical sales or airplay and 48 million plays on Spotify gets you $128, I worry about that. I worry for them, you know. So I, I so so monetizing a lot of this technology for the it bothers me that that how how are we going to make that fair? Radio stations still have to pay a, a decent royalty for the records they play. Hmm. Why doesn't Spotify have to do that? Why don't the, the streaming companies have to do that? You know, it's like to me, it's like owning a a, a store but you don't have to pay for your stock. Um, so I, 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 just to make a point here, I'm not sure I 100% agree with you. I, I think that if you're 1920 to 25 and you arrive inside the music business, your job is to reinvent, and just as it was mine when I arrived and absolutely, Charlie, as it was when you arrived. Because there, there is no well, there is no blueprint for how to do this. Every generation it has to change. So the change now, uh, and you know, okay, the the what's the danger? The baby boomers seem to be the only ones that that go to big concerts, and so there are old men in wheelchairs still rich, wandering out singing the greatest hits package. But in the middle of it, there is flume. In the middle of it, there is Troy Sivan. In the middle of it, yeah, there are look, the, the, reinventions the, the, going the, on. The future on a creative level, mm. I think, is unlimited. But you've got to be a part of it. You, you've got to find your way to be a part of that because every one of those entities that can generate, every, for every Savage Garden, there has to be a Charles Fisher and a John Woodruff. No, I, that's where I disagree. Right. There definitely doesn't have to be a Charles Fisher anymore. There has to be a John Woodruff, right. but there doesn't have to be a Charles Fisher. There isn't in the case of any of the artists you've just mentioned, like Flume. They yeah, this do is his dad. They, 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 no, he's, man, he's John Woodruff maybe his dad, yeah, okay, but the, he does it all by himself on yeah. a computer at home. Mm. There is no need for a producer. There is no need for an engineer. At most, he might employ a remixer when he's finished the recording. But he has to do it that way. Okay, I'm depressed now. Oh, don't be depressed. It's just, a, it's, it's just, you know, somebody asked me about that and I said it's a bit like being, I feel a bit like the Iceman when the fridge is being invented. <laughs> right? Or, yeah, or the, or the toilet dunny man. The, ki- the, the kids I'm teaching, I'm teaching them to be engineers and producers. 
In many cases, they're, en- they're actually artists who realise that they need to learn to become engineers and producers. That's and that. So having that that layer is part of the game, isn't it? It's part of the game now, and that 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 you know. So, of all you know, the, these days there are so many genres inside the business that that you can be in, and okay. Producing is one of them. Engineering. It, yeah. The, so the term producer has changed. Yes. And w- what the role, the roles a producer plays right. has changed. So what what slither, slither of that, those those new environments? If you were to start again, wh- where would you put yourself? Where, if you headed to America out if, of high school, if, if I had to start again today, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I would learn to become an incredible songwriter. I would learn to become an incredible musician. Uh, I would learn to uh, become a good businessman. You, you, and I would meld those three together. Right. I wouldn't necessarily have to be a performer. And the the a, the aspect of knowing a good song, I'm not not sure whether that can be taught. But I would definitely, I would definitely have to be able to be a multi-instrumentalist, a bit of an engineer, a lot of a businessman. If you look at modern records, you will see that the producer and the songwriter are very, very, most of the time are the same person. Yeah, and, and they are the dominant force. And they are the dominant day. force. Yeah. You know, just a love of fidelity and a love of extracting the best out of the performer mm. Would not be enough for me today. Yeah. I, I, I would I would have to become an instrumentalist as well. What have I forgotten to ask you today? Oh, what 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 bit of your life and times in that interaction with the business of is, what have I not? You haven't asked me anything about girls. No, <laughs> that's not the, that's not. The, no, I'm just kidding, Charlie. Uh, it is quite inspirational to have a conversation with you, um, and and likewise, Peter. So you have, the, you have your own very um, unique path <laughs> and very successful I, I, one. I, I wanted to make sure that I said in this somewhere that I always think that with 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 you in particular, it's a long way. This journey of yours is a long way from being completed. I agree, and, and there are many other stories that we're going to have to be able to sit and talk about somewhere else along the line. Because this is not a journey of completion; it's a journey of evolution, isn't it? No, it's 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 funny. I I keep going to bed at night with this nagging feeling that I, I got I got to do I got to do something else right now that is going to be mind blowing. Well. Uh, of all the people I know, you're the one most likely to find it, and, and, and it may not be that you you uh, know it's turning up around the corner. It'll just arrive at the front door. Yeah, day. it probably will. It'll be it'll be some you know freak outsider. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Charlie Fisher, thanks for being on from from the inside today. You're Bless welcome, you. Peter. In the next episode, Peter Ricks speaks to legendary tour promoter and now chairman of Live Nation Australasia, Michael Koppel. It's a story that takes in the early days, moving from a career in law to the music business, to the heady days of stadium tours, and to now, the growing global nature of touring. That's next time on From the Inside. From the Inside is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.